0: Hello and welcome to the First Brick Property Podcast, episode 21. My name is KM and I'm the director of First Brick Property Buyers Agency. The purpose of the podcast is to bring a casual style show to discuss all things property, with education being the key. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned investor, this show will be able to further your knowledge and really, really remove any barriers to getting involved in the exciting and fun world of property. Now, I've heard that my co-host has been in a police lineup before. <laughs> of course my regular co-host is with me today, Henry Rosie how are you? Very well, how are you? Good, good. Um, is there a story behind that? There is. It's not
1: what it it's not what it sounds like. I was in a police lineup. The story is that uh my cousin was a detective for the New South Wales Police and um they had a suspect. And um, they needed, uh, he needed to be picked out of the lineup. So uh, we fit the description. Yeah. So she asked me to get a few friends together. We were still in high school at the time. It was an interesting conversation we all had with our parents. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we did the police lineup. No issues. Uh, if anyone was interested, the suspect wasn't picked out of the police lineup. So uh, he walked out, got away. Yeah. Right. But that's the police lineup sorry. But uh it's a, that is a very different story. It was it was an interesting experience. Is it on your resume? Yeah. No, I think I'll <laughs> that on <laughs> resume. So i worked for the police secret yeah. service FBI. Look, the biggest problem
0: was that we were promised pizza and we didn't get pizza. <laughs> do, if there are any police officers listening, um, <laughs> how do you get people in your police lineup off a pizza? Yeah. <laughs> and the criminals come running. The crew has come running out you. Yeah.
1: Um
0: that's an interesting story. Yeah. We'll get into the show today. Yeah. Um This uh episode's taken a little while to get together. We've been both very, very busy last week and a bit. Um but the people's show is back. Yeah. Um it is a QA episode. We've had a bunch of questions sent in to us. Um we've picked a couple and if we have time we'll go through some more. Um we'll just get straight into it. So Do you want to hit us with the first question, Henry? Yeah, the first question
1: is from Harry, uh, and he said, you mentioned in your last podcast that the majority of Australians stop after one or two investment properties. What advice would you give to people that fall in this category? Yeah, that's a very good question.
0: Um, Spells his name very similarly to yours. Yeah. Coincidence, (laughs) I don't know. Um, So Harry, (laughs) Um, it's a good question and correct, most Australians do stop after one or two investment properties. Um, so before we get into you know what advice to get out of that category, I guess we should look at the reason why people are in that category to begin with. Yeah. And probably the biggest reason is there is no forward planning um, when people purchase properties. Uh, most people's investment plans or investment strategy plans that we come across, you know, we obviously speak to a lot of people in our business. Um, And one of the first questions is, uh, do you have a plan, what's your end goal and all that? And a lot of the times the answer is just, oh, we're just going to buy an investment property and then, you know, when we're ready or we have enough money, we'll buy another one. And then when we're ready and we have enough money, we'll buy another one. And, and, you know, that's that's the answer. Um, But the problem there is property is actually a game of finance um, and not a game of bricks and mortar at all. It's, it's really all about financing, and if you get your financing correct, then you can get yourself out of the first um, one and two property slump. Um, so when we're, when we're looking at purchasing properties, uh, what we do anyway is we, we build an investment plan, and you should definitely do this as well if you're not going to use um, our services or any professional services, a financial planner or accountant, or whatnot. You should do this on your own anyway. Look where you want to end up, and Think, how do you want to get there? Look at your income and your personal story. You know, if you're a single income, are you going to get married soon? Or are you going to have a dual income somehow? Or is your income going to increase? Or if you're, you know, in a couple, are you going to have children? Is your income going to decrease um, as a result? Are you going to have added expenses? All of this is important because the biggest issue with getting out of property one or two and going to property three is always serviceability. And when we say serviceability, we mean you know paying the mortgage down for your third property, um, because obviously you you've got two loans, and the third one's going to be you know another bit of debt, and if you can't pay off that debt, then you won't get the loan, and that's why people get stuck at one and two, especially if they already own um, their principal place of residence as well, and there's no rent coming in, then there's that's a big shortfall there. So. Um, well, the advice I would give is, you know, speak to a buyer's agent, a financial planner, an accountant, um, and really get everything planned out um, so that you can get out of that. And if you've already got the first two properties, um, again, speak to a financial planner or accountant or a buyer's agent, and they can look at potentially you might have to sell one to get back in the game at a better um, at a better spot, or maybe there are just some tweaks that you can play around with the existing properties to get you into a better, uh, I guess, income story. Yeah. I think you hit the hammer on the head when you said it is a game of
1: finance. Yeah. And I think that's where the planning comes into play and becomes really important because when you get an investment property, you're looking at properties that could uh, increase in value where, you know, it's it's equity, that you're waiting for the equity to grow and that's a bit more long-term. And then you can get investments investment properties that are, you know, maybe cash flow positive or very cash heavy, both of which can help you move on to the next property. But again, it is a timing game and that's where the plan will come into play. And that's why it's very very important to have uh, people who are able to assist you with the planning and the financial side of things and a good mortgage broker as well, who can do things like, you know, tweak your properties or or things
0: like that to help you get to that next stage. Yeah, for sure. good uh, a good mortgage broker is very yeah. uh, undervalued, yeah. I guess. Um, they they could you know obviously the brokers are the ones paying the finance yeah. for you, so you know maybe refinancing, looking at different finance structures. Uh, there's a lot of things that they can do to try and um, put you in a better position for property three, four, five, six, yeah. ten. Um, so yeah. Definitely surround yourself with a good team would be my advice and forward, forward thinking. Yep. Cool. All right. Thanks, Harry. Let's move on to the next questions. Uh, what steps
1: should I take? This is uh, from Heather. What steps should I take to turn my negatively geared investment
0: property into a positively geared property? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I like the question because Heather's clearly thinking properly. Yeah. <laughs> She's thinking with um, a smart, smart hat on. She's looking. At, I think she's clearly realised that maybe negatively gearing isn't a strategy. Um, yeah. Something that we speak about a lot, and yeah. um, a lot of people think negatively gearing is a strategy whereas it's not. You are losing money. Um, negatively gearing is a moment in time. Um, but yeah, it's a good question. Um, honestly, it's not a complicated answer because sometimes it is a little bit out of your hands. I mean, if your property is already negatively geared. You're going to have to pay off debt, essentially, to bring the, the loan down to a yeah. point where your repayments are lower than your rent, or you're going to increase your rent, um, or a mixture of both. Um, you don't have to pay off your loan down. If you have an offset account, you can pump a bunch of money into your offset, you know, move uh, all your your income, put your salary into it, your, in, your rent, your dividends, your, or any kind of income that you got, all goes into your offset account. So it looks like you've paid it off, so your interest drops, so your overall repayments drop, yeah. um, and then you get to a point where your rent is covering your, your loan and more. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you have know, a bit of renovations or value adding to add more rent, but you have to be careful when you're doing that that you're not over-capitalizing. Yeah. um because you could end up more negatively geared, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think... I mean, for me, it's pretty, I mean, it's not, there's not too much you can do. A lot of it is just a time game. The more you pay off, the less negative you become. Do you have any other tips? Yeah. Like when you look at negative gearing
1: and you look at your, your your rental income statement, the two biggest expenses that affect negative gearing are interest and depreciation. Yeah. Now this is where you can be positively geared for cash and potentially negatively geared for tax. And that's a really good situation to be in because if you're positively geared for cash, effectively, you've got more money in your pocket at the end of each month or at the end of the financial year. However, when you lodge your tax return and you put in your depreciation, which is a non-cash expense, you can be negatively geared for cash. That's a really good situation to be in because it effectively means you've got cash in your pocket, but at the end of the day, when you lodge your tax return, you're negatively geared. And you're actually not. Yeah. For cash, you're positively good. So if you can start by getting into a situation like that, um, that's probably the first step
0: to becoming really positively good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I guess that's, uh, that's no nirvana. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> when you've got money coming into your pocket, but on yeah. paper, you're still you know, negative. Yeah. So you're getting your tax deductions that everyone, everyone wants. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, hope that helps, Heather. Hopefully, that answers your question. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to the next question. This question is from Myrna. Um, At what point is it best to enter the market? Should I take more betting now? It's now? Very common question that we get. Yeah. Um, and the answer
1: that you know we said previously yeah. as well is you get into the market when you're
0: ready. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So Australia is not one market. Uh, there's you know, hundreds and thousands of markets, and markets, and markets, right? So you have your states, they're all different markets, and then within your states, you know, for example, New South Wales, you've got Sydney. In Sydney, you got Western Sydney, South West Sydney, North Sydney, you know, yeah. Eastern suburbs. And then within those areas, you got smaller clusters of markets. So there are markets constantly moving, and there are different markets moving at different times. Um, so you might have, you know, Eastern suburbs of Sydney going down whilst the Western suburbs of Sydney going up, yeah. or vice versa. Um, or Adelaide doing well while you know Perth is doing poorly. So, so correct. The, the, the right time is when you are ready and when you can enter the market and you know comfortably service your loan and you have buffers in place in case you don't get a tenant or in case there are you know uh, acts of acts of nature that yeah. take over and you know you know random occurrences. Yeah. Um, should I say more? Getting now? Uh, I guess. It's- you can look at it as if you can save quicker than the market is moving, uh, then keep saving. Yeah. But if the market is moving much quicker than you can save, then it would probably be better to get in um, and ride that ride that mark that wave, I guess. Um, so right now, again, different markets. So it depends where you're looking and depends where your kind of price point is. Um, in Sydney, things are a bit slow. So if you can save really quick, maybe worth holding. Um, but if you're in Brisbane or or Melbourne, and things are moving a bit quicker, um might be time to get in the market. And, and back to the point about going in when you're ready, and we touched on this in the first question,
1: it's really important to have a plan. You need to have an investment strategy, you need to have a plan, and you need to know what you're buying, when you're going to buy it, and how that's going to affect your the, the stages in your life that you're in. So if, you, if you're buying a property now, but you know you're going to get married in six months, and you need to put money towards a wedding or something like that, or if you're already married and you're going to have a child, you need to take all those things into account, have a plan, understand where, you're, where you are in, in your life stages, um, and it'll help you determine when you're ready and whether or not you're ready now or whether you'll be ready later on. So yeah. keep all of that in mind um, when you're determining whether or not
0: you're ready. Yeah. Thank you, Myrna. Um, you want to hit the next one? Yeah. Um, would you recommend
1: fixing my interest rate for two years at the current fixed rate of 2.79% or continue with my variable rate at 3.5%
0: from Josh? Joshy, thank you, Josh. Um, it's a tough question to answer without knowing your full situation, I guess. Yeah. Um, but essentially, you have to look at it in a couple of different uh, point of views. If you are not planning to do anything with your money, uh, you're not planning to make any purchases, you're not planning to do anything for the next two years, you know, in terms of big, large purchases, like another property or whatnot, um, then a fixed rate may be more competitive for you and maybe a better idea. And uh, the flip side, if you are planning to, you know, maybe purchase a property or, or a car or, you know, a wedding, whatever it is, you've got a big lump sum amount of money that you need to use, um, a fixed rate might not be for you because obviously when it's fixed, your money kind of gets locked in. That's one point of view. The other point of view is if, again, we speak about offset accounts a lot because it's so important. If you have an offset account and you have enough money in it, um, you may be your repayments may be less at 3.5% because when you're in a fixed rate, um, you don't have access to an offset account, ninety nine percent of the time. So, and a lot of people don't know that. So, you might have a lower rate, but you're getting charged interest on the full amount of the loan. Whereas, if you have an offset account, say your loan's five hundred grand, and you have four hundred thousand in your offset, you're paying three and a half percent, but only on a hundred thousand. So, your repayments are much lower. So, it really depends on your situation, what your future plans are, um, if you have an offset account, how much money in that offset account. So. There's a, few variables there to look at. Yeah. So keep in mind as well
1: that if you do fix your rate, if, you know, there are break fees if you, if you break your loan before the fixed rate period ends, and that includes selling your property. So if you have a plan to sell your property anytime before that fixed rate term ends, you will incur break fees. Um, and what you said about the offset account is correct, it's really important. And it could be a situation where the answer is You know both. If you've got you know multiple loans on multiple properties, it could be that you fix some and then you keep some variable and you put you know because you've got your one offset account against one loan, so that could be variable and then you fix the rest. So that's where you know you should speak to a good mortgage broker or financial planner or someone who can help you work it out because sometimes it's not just a a straight cut answer. If you've got multiple loans, you don't need to have all variable or all fixed across all the loans. The answer could just be a mixture of both,
0: depending on your situation. Yeah, for sure. So definitely the more properties you have, the more complex the situation uh, and the more need for a team around you. So definitely it's just general advice. We don't know the situation. So um, contact your financial planner, your accountant and your broker and get that team around you working for you. Thanks, Josh. Uh, Peter has sent us a question. Um, Would you recommend pulling out the 10K Super if we have been affected by COVID-19. Um, so obviously, if people don't know, um, there has been a leeway of the superannuation that if you've been affected by COVID, you are eligible to pull out some super. Um, this is more your territory, I think. Yeah. So I'll let you answer the question. <laughs> so it,
1: it is really important to look at the eligibility criteria before you uh, pull out that 10 grand from your super. So very quickly, to be eligible, um, you need to have been uh, made redundant or unemployed, or your working hours need to have dropped by 20%, at least. And then you can pull out up to $10,000 in the 2020 financial year, which is coming to an end in a week. And then you can pull another $10,000 out uh, in the 2021 financial year. So the the very important thing is to consider your eligibility, because Even if you apply and you get it, but you're not eligible, that money could be clawed back. Uh, There are penalties, there are interest. There are definitely repercussions if you take it out um, when you're not eligible. So once you get through that hurdle, if you determine that you're eligible and you pull it out, I guess it all depends on your circumstances. Um, The idea is that uh, if you've been affected by COVID and you need to put out that money, You know, it might be better used elsewhere than for the purposes of investing. Yeah. But again, look at your personal situation. Speak to a financial planner or your accountant if you need to. Um, And I think the most important thing is to determine your eligibility. Yeah. um, And then work it out. See, see where's the best way you can use it. Yeah. uh, If you do need to pull it out.
0: Yeah, for sure. So looking at the purpose of the I guess the scheme is, you know, to give people some bit of money um, for people who have lost their jobs and whatnot. Yeah. So to be eligible, um, is that you've got to fit that criteria, and if you fit that criteria, you probably you might need that money to you know buy staples or pay your mortgages or whatever. Um, if not, you're probably not eligible anyway. So yeah, um, yeah, but it does I guess depend on the situation. Thanks Pete. Alright. Um, our
1: next question is from Scott, how are the banks treating income that includes JobKeeper banks?
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's another good question, Scott. Um, I was actually with Ferdy uh, from Power Loans yesterday, uh, we were having a chat and um, I just, this question came up in conversation, I said, you know, how are the banks treating it? And um, because I asked him this question when I first when COVID kind of first started and JobKeeper came out, and then I kind of came back to him and said, now it's been a few months. What are the, what are the banks looking at? So back when I first spoke with him, it was kind of our business as normal. Um, JobKeeper payments will be looked at, and they will see that your income has reduced, and they're looking at your normal income. Now it's more so they understand that you're still getting paid, but they're not going to really do anything until you go back to full time wage. Yeah. So, JobKeeper payments are pretty much putting you on hold, I guess. Um, and once you go back to full time uh, hours and your full time pay, then they would relook really at your situation. Yeah. Cool. cool. Thank you, Scott. And our final question from Julia. Julia.
1: Do you have any general finance and money management books that you could recommend for someone still in university? Yeah, awesome, Julia. Um,
0: I like to read. <laughs> One of us does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. So I've got a list of books. I think it's a good time to start reading now that you're in university um, and get ready before you, you know, finish and start. You know, you could be like ten steps ahead of everyone else. Um. So there is a photo on our social media pages of some books, but just to rattle some off, um, my favourite book when I was in university and probably the book I recommend the most to everyone always is called The Richest Man in Babylon. Um, It's a great book just about general finance, um, but it's written in Babylonian times, so it's a bit of a story rather than like syllabus. It's a bit of an easy read, nice and interesting. Um, So that's just a general finance book. Beginner's Guide to Wealth, you know, is a great starting point. Just, again, general finance, a lot of nice quotes in there and a lot of basic principles. And then I think a good property book that you could start on. Uh, this is the first book I ever read about property. It was called My Four-Year-Old to Property Investor. I don't know who wrote it. Um, and I don't know if you can buy it in bookstores. I found it randomly. Um, but if you can find it, it's a great read. And it's literally written, the, the author wrote it. So, that his four year old will be able to read it and understand how to invest in property um, and the principles of property. So, I think those are some good uh, starting points for someone at university. But if you jump on our Facebook page, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a post with a lot of books that we put up on that. Yeah, you had a giveaway as well, didn't you? We did do a giveaway. Um, what book did we give away? can't remember. Yeah. Um, the um, Armchair Guide to Property Investing. Um, by by Ben and Bryce, by Bryce Holdway and Ben Kingsley oh, yeah. um, from Empower Wealth. So they they do they have a great podcast as well. They do great work. Um. So we had a couple extra books. So we did a giveaway back at the end of last year. Yeah. Um. And actually, Myrna, I don't know if it's the same Myrna that oh, yeah. sent us the question. Myrna was the winner. So. Um, should I like enjoying it. It. Yeah, you better have read that book. Actually, yeah. <laughs> if you reach
1: out, we'd love to hear what your take is on that book as well. True that. Yeah. No.
0: <laughs> reach out. Um, Henny, you, mentioned, you told me before you're not a big reader. Do you have any books or not? <laughs> Honestly, the first and probably the only book I've
1: really read cover to cover was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh. And that was, you know, along with everybody else. Of course. How did I forget? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I, I I did enjoy that book and I probably read it I read it early on and um, I probably didn't execute or I wasn't in a position to execute everything that I read. Yeah, I should probably go back and read it again along with some know, of the them things them. that you've mentioned as well. Yeah, Rich, I um, thought is a good book. Yeah, Top it, book, it was a good way to, you know, it taught me a lot right at the start. Yeah.
0: So I thought it was a good introductory book as well for me. Yeah, yeah. The whole Robert Kiyosaki series um, yeah. that should go from, yeah. Well, that's all our questions. Yeah. Um, so, thanks for sending all the questions in, everyone, and thank you for listening. Hopefully, this episode answers some of those questions. Um, and you can find all of our content on socials Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, uh, whatever else socials there is, we're probably on it. Um, just search for us, Brick Property. If you have any topics you'd like to discuss or you've got questions, send them in at hello at firstbreak.com.au or shoot us a message on our social platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love a review. Uh, we're going to start reading reviews out. We're supposed to read one out today, but I didn't bring it out. I forgot to. <laughs> so next week, we'll read some reviews out. Send us reviews. um, Five stars. It helps us get higher in the charts um, and helps more people listen and learn. And as always, pass the pod, Pass the pod. Buying property is our passion. Helping you do it is our mission. Thanks.